Welcome to The Girls, a podcast based on the novel Sadie by Courtney Summers. Caddy Sinclair is a tall, skinny white guy in his mid-30s. He lives in Wagner and shares an apartment with his brother. He spends most days at Whitler's truck stop, hanging around outside, or, when he can afford it, eating one of Ruby's famous specials. He's a local legend. Everyone knows his name, and that, he tells me, is precisely his problem. I wouldn't mind being left the fuck alone. Well then, I really appreciate you talking to me. (sighs) Whatever. It's not like I'm doing you some big favor. If you find this girl, I want to know. Caddy's an interesting contradiction. Before he wanted to be left alone, a quick Google search of his name reveals a teenager who desperately wanted to be the next Eminem. If you head on over to musiccamp.com and search for the user Sick Caddy, you can listen to six demos he recorded in a friend's basement. If you're streaming from our podcast's official website, you'll find an embedded player on this episode's page. But do me a favor before you check it out. Read the content warnings. That was a different, stupid time in my life. I'm not going to talk about it. Every kid thinks they got the makings of something great when they ain't shit. Then you learn it's better being nothing anyway. (coughs) So, you want to know about this girl, huh? She's missing? Yeah, she's missing. I'm trying to help her family locate her. She's probably dead. Would you know something about that if she is? Nope. Mind if I smoke? The last time I saw her, she was alive. But if she's as out of her mind as she was when I met her, and if she comes at the wrong people like she came in me, well, you could lose your life for a lot less in this world. Let's back up a little here. You told me when we talked on the phone that Sadie came to you for information about Darren. She'd never been to Wagner before, from what I could tell, so how did she know she needed to talk to you? Figure someone inside told her about me. Damned if I know. That part's not real important, though. It could have been anyone. I'm the go-to guy around here. People want something. I mean, people want to know something, they're going to come to me. I always know what the fuck's going on, because I just... I just do. Did you know Darren? We weren't friends. But if he saw me at the diner, we'd talk. Ruby knew him better. I didn't know he had a daughter. And that is who Sadie told you she was, Darren's daughter. Yeah, she showed me his picture and it was Darren all right. Do you happen to have a picture of him? No, but I can tell you what he looked like. White, tall, broad, dark hair. He was just a guy. Nothing in particular really stood out. Tell me what happened next. She pulled a knife on me. Really? Just like that? Yeah. She told me to tell her everything I knew about Darren or else. And did you? Do I look alive to you? What did you tell her? I told her the truth. I told her the most I knew about Darren was that a few years back, he was with Marley Singer, and she'd probably know more about him than I did. I told her Marley lived in Wagner kid took off. Didn't seem right in the head to me. 
If you do find her, let me know. I want this on record because I'm gonna charge that bitch with assault. Switchblades are illegal too. Thanks for your time, Caddy. Was Sadie a violent person, Maybeth? No. No. Never. I mean, she could have been, but in the way we all could be. It wasn't something that she was. It wasn't in her nature, if that's what you mean. Caddy said Sadie had a switchblade. She pulled it on him. There wasn't a switchblade in her belongings. Then he's lying. Sadie wouldn't. She wouldn't. If it's not in her things, he's lying. Or she could still have it. Whether or not she still does, I think the real question is why she felt she needed it. In some ways, the town of Wagner reminds me of Cold Creek. There are fewer businesses on the main street than there should be, and the houses look kind of defeated. But it has one thing going for it Cold Creek doesn't, a sense of promise. Suburbia is taking root. A new development will hopefully inspire an economic upswing, though that might price some of its longtime residents out. Marley Singer is one of those residents. She's in her late thirties with white blonde hair. She's mother to a one-and-a-half-year-old boy. She lives across from a schoolyard playground, and in the afternoons during the school year, it teems with children sliding down the slides and fighting for turns on the swings. She finally answers one of my calls the day I'm set to fly back to New York. When I tell her I'd like to talk about Sadie and Darren, Marley only agrees to go on record to tell me that she's got absolutely nothing to say. She and Darren were together briefly, it didn't work out, and no, they don't keep in contact anymore. She doesn't have his number, and she doesn't have any pictures either. It's not a time she cares to remember, which begs even more questions she's equally unwilling to answer. Lasted three months. He never said anything about a daughter. We're not in touch anymore. I got no way to reach him. I like it that way. I don't even think about him unless someone else brings him up. So, thanks for that. Caddy Sinclair said he directed Sadie Hunter to you. To ask about Darren, though. It seemed pretty clear she was headed your way. I'm just trying to figure out what happened. I'm telling you, I never met her. And if she was around here looking for me, I don't know a goddamn thing about it. I'm forced to take Marley Singer at her word, even though I'm not sure I should. I've postponed my flight for her, though, so I sit in a motel and review everything I know about Sadie's disappearance so far. There's nothing I've overlooked that will turn itself into my next lead. What's particularly frustrating is that outside of dyeing her hair blonde and giving people her middle name, Sadie didn't seem like she was going to any greater lengths to cover her tracks. It doesn't feel like it should be this hard to find her. I express as much to Maybeth. I was thinking... Claire had a lot of men, but there were only a couple who stuck around for longer than usual. They might know something. There was Keith. He was there when the girls were little. Arthur Macquarie, but he's dead now. And Paul. Paul was the last man Claire had around before she walked out. If any of them got close enough, Claire might have let something slip about this Darren guy. I'll see if the living two will talk to me. Her father, though... I just can't wrap my head around it. I don't even know what Sadie would need from this man. Help? Money? 
I would have given her anything she asked for. Didn't she know that? I spent my whole life helping those girls. I wasn't about to stop. I know, Maybeth. Just look into those men I told you about. Arthur, Keith, and Paul. These are the names Maybeth Foster gave me. Men who were with Claire long enough they might know something about Darren M., the man Sadie claims is her father. Arthur is dead, like Maybeth told me he would be. He lived with Claire and the girls for six months when Sadie was 13 and Maddie was 7, and overdosed two years later. Maybeth doesn't have much to say about him. He was a dealer. Keith, there's no record of anywhere. I put a team on finding him. By Maybeth's accounts, Keith lasted longest. He came into the girls' lives when Maddie was five and Sadie was eleven. He was the one who really tried. He looked after those girls as best as Claire would let him. Keith was my favorite. Why is that? Well, whenever Claire brought a man home, it was like... My heart would just sink because it always ended worse than it started. And it always started bad. Keith didn't start bad. He picked Claire up at the bar. Joel's found her there. She was often there. And he brought her home. And he was stone-cold sober. That stood out to me. Not a bad thing, mind, but Claire usually had men as wrecked as she was. That first night, he put her to bed, and then he introduced himself to me. Right away, I liked him. He treated me like... He treated me with respect. He treated me like I was the girl's flesh-and-blood grandmother. That meant something to me. Then I come to find out he was a God-fearing man, and I believe in the power of prayer myself. He taught the girls a little religion. So that was... I liked that a lot. He was only supposed to stay the weekend. He stayed a year instead. And if I'd had it my way, it would have been forever. Describe his relationship with the girls. He told me he'd always wanted kids, and this was the closest he'd ever got. Would probably ever get to having them. Maddie thought he was wonderful. He had a sort of juvenile sense of humor, and she was young enough to enjoy it. Sadie, well, she never liked Keith. Why's that? He was sober, like I said. I know how that sounds, but he didn't use. He didn't get in the way of Claire using, but he was clean himself. He just accepted Claire for what she was and wanted to be part of their lives. Maybe that's a sickness in itself, enabling... But he tried to create structure for the girls, and up until that point, Sadie felt that was her job. He was an interloper, in her eyes. You'd think she'd want a little of that stability for herself. That an actual adult in her life would let her be a kid again. She didn't know how to be a kid. Maddie was so wound up in Sadie's purpose, Sadie was terrified of losing that. How did it end between Claire and Keith? Terribly. That much followed the pattern. She kicked him out in the middle of the night. I could hear her screaming at him from across the lot. Damn miracle nobody called the police. I looked out the window and she had all his things on the lawn and he was shouting back at her. Claire just got tired of them, you know. Once she felt she got all she could from them, they had to go. This was no different. He grabbed all his things and left. He walked past and saw me watching from my window. He waved goodbye. I never saw him again. Tell you the truth. 
I cried over that one. Paul Good works for a logging company in the Northwest. He looks it, too. He's a tall, muscular guy with red hair, a beard, and a tanned, sun-worn face. He's not a particularly hard man to get a hold of, but it does take him the better part of a week to decide whether or not he wants to speak on the record. He was with Claire Southern for eight months, sure, but it was a difficult time in his life. He was using. He was depressed. Four years clean, he wasn't sure he wanted to revisit it. I don't know. I got a lot to say. Or what exactly it is you want me to say. I look back at that time and I think, I was a kid. I was a mess. I mean, I got a family now. I got a wife. got a little girl of my own. I don't know what I thought I was doing then. No, that's a lie. (laughs) I thought I loved Claire. How did you two meet? Oh, Jesus. I was driving home. Abernathy was home then, from the bar. I was drunk too. I shouldn't be saying that. It was stupid. But that's not my life anymore. Anyway, she was walking. She was walking in the dark, on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) It's amazing I didn't kill her. I pulled over and asked her if she needed a lift, and she said yes. And as soon as she got in that car, she starts crying. She'd been having a rough night, drinking for some of it. But she was more sober than I was. Talked my ear off on the way to her place. When I got there, she told me I was a good listener, and maybe I could, you know, do that for her again. She didn't invite me in that night, but man, she got me. The first part of our relationship was on the phone and I fell in love with the life she sold me, which was a lot different than what it actually was. The way Claire told it, her mom was sick and she cared for her. Then she got pregnant. Then her mom died and she got pregnant again, and she was looking after two girls alone. She sounded so devoted to them, and I'd always wanted kids myself. I moved in with the three of them, then the truth really come out. I mean, there were signs that she had some problems. She drank too much. On the phone, I could tell when she'd been drinking. She'd nod off. That was the heroin. By the time I realized the extent of it, she was my heart. I didn't mind the kids, but I loved Claire. So I started using two. Made myself sick for her. Paul entered the girls' lives when Sadie was 15 and Maddie was 9. They didn't hate me or nothing. They just didn't want me. So I stayed out of their way, and they stayed out of mine. They probably deserved better from me, though. There wasn't a whole lot of consistency in their lives, and I could see Sadie was trying to give that to Maddie. I left her to it. What was Sadie like? Stubborn as hell. Hated her mother. Sadie thought she knew better in Claire, so far as Maddie was concerned. And she probably did, if you want the truth. But her and Claire were always at each other's throats, and Claire favored Maddie, so it got ugly sometimes. I don't know. Like I said, we stayed out of each other's way, and if I sensed this screaming match coming on, I ducked. Only thing I cared about was Claire and Crack. Tell me how it ended. She got tired of me, and I was running out of money. One day, I come home and found her with another guy. That was it. She didn't respect me. Dumb thing is, I still loved her, but I couldn't stay with her after that. Damnedest thing, though. What? After I left, it was like a fog cleared in my mind. I realized I wasn't living the life I was supposed to. 
that I didn't actually want to be an addict. So I packed it up and I just left town. Ended up here. Got clean. It sounds simple when I put it like that. There wasn't anything simple about it. But getting out of Claire's orbit was the first step. That place, those girls, just had this feeling. I don't know if I should say it. I'd like to hear it. Like the three of them were doomed. I guess I always knew there wasn't going to be a happy ending for them. When you called me, called me up on what happened to all of them, I don't know. I want to say I was surprised, but I'm not. But it's sad. It's damn sad. Paul, in all the time you were with Claire, she ever mention a Darren? Can't say she did. So you've never heard that name before? That's right. When I'm done talking to Paul, I give Maybeth a call. We're kind of at a standstill in terms of what more I can do right now. What does that mean? You're giving up? No, it just means I've got to dig in and try to find a new lead. If I don't find one, we've got to hope some new developments occur in the meantime. Well, that sounds like giving up to me. We don't have that kind of time. Shady's out there, and anything could be... Anything could be happening to her. It can take a long time to work a story like this, Maybeth. I know that's not what you want to hear, but you've got to be patient, okay? You've got to be patient. I might have something. What? I might... I might have something that you can use. I don't know. I just don't want to get her in trouble, but... But then if she's... If she's already in trouble, and this helps you find her... What is it? What do you know? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't want her to get into trouble over this. I just... I want her to be safe. I want her to be here. But I don't want her to get in trouble. She's had it hard enough. Okay. Okay, Maybeth, do you remember what you said the very first time you called me? I wanted you to help me. Yeah, that's right. But do you remember how you put it? You told me you didn't want... I don't want another dead girl. So whatever information you've been holding on to, you don't want that to be the difference between finding her alive and not, do you? If Sadie's alive, and you think what you know could get her into some kind of trouble, you have to look at it like she's alive to fix it, you understand? As long as she's alive, she can fix it. We can fix it. I know, but... I can't find Sadie, let alone help her, if I don't have all the information. And I have to be able to trust you as I move forward with this. We can take it off the record if that helps. Do you want to do that? Yes, please. Okay. And that's what we'll do. This has been an episode of The Girls, a podcast based on the novel Sadie by Courtney Summers. This program was produced and directed by Maddie Argeropoulos. Sound design and post-production by Tim Franklin. Performed by Dan Bittner, Graham Halstead, Gabber Zachman, Hilary Huber, and Brandon Ferraro. 
Special thanks to Ari Fliakos and Tom Mies. Sadie is available as a book, ebook, and audiobook. Click the link in the show notes to get your copy. And stay tuned for next week's episode of The Girls. <laughs>